0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Well, my wife and I, we are about to cross a milestone as our last child will soon be getting uh, his driver's license, praying, Uh, And uh, this will not be a stage of life that I will miss. Now, if you have not yet had the blessing of teaching your children to drive, let me just encourage you, brace yourself for the peace and tranquility that is coming your way of being in a 3,000-pound weapon driving down the road with children who think they know more than you, even though they've never driven. Uh, Matter of fact, I think in our today's culture that a Ford should consider coming out with a car Doing away with steering wheels, brake pedals, and just put an Xbox controller somewhere in the vehicle and have everything being, you know, flippers for gas pedals. It would just work better like that. It got me thinking in the other areas that a license is needed in order to do something uh, legally. Like you need a license to marry. A license to hunt or to breed animals, you need a license to build a house or to own a business, and a license to drive a car, and in some states you need a license to own or carry a gun. Now in some situations a license is just, well let's face it, it's just a legal shakedown by the government, but in other areas a license uh, allows you to participate in something because a license says that you have met the absolute minimum standards required to participate in a task and sometimes i wonder if we should require a license to be human that at some point i just it makes me think that if if at some point we should require a class and a test that shows that you have met the basic requirements to enter into society as a human and that at the age of 13 or 15 that if you have not yet passed the test and acquired the license We build a large 30-foot wall around someplace like Tucson and we ship everybody to live there. Because it seems that while we are human, we can easily fail at being human because we can be filled with all sorts of Inhumane activities and hateful, and we can be bitter and dysfunctional and uh, psychotic and neurotic. And we are the only species that is in therapy because we do not know how to be what we've been created. There are no lions in therapy today saying, You know, I know they say I'm the king of the jungle, but I just don't feel it. I know what they say about me, and I know it here, but I don't know it here, right? There are no elephants looking at themselves in the reflection in the watering hole saying, does this make my butt look big? It just, it does not happen. We are the only species that is full of all sorts of dysfunction, a plethora of dysfunctions. Now, the biblical account of creation tells us that we were created unlike any other part of creation, that we were actually created in the image of our creator, in the image of God. Now, think about that because it's remarkable. It's remarkable to consider that every human being on the planet, past, present, or future, in some way that I don't fully grasp, has an image, they are an image bearer of God. And then it makes me wonder why is it so hard for us to reflect that image of God back onto humanity? If you hold to the biblical account, which of course we do, uh, we have the answer to that. And the answer is that we are malfunctioning, that we are not operating out of our original design, that there is a brokenness that occurred in what the Bible calls sin. Now the term sin is uh, historically an, an, uh, an archery term that means to miss the mark or to miss the dead center of the bullseye, which we could easily dismiss because today we could say, well, who really hits the mark every time? I mean, nobody is perfect. We all miss the mark, but it means much more than just missing the mark. Uh, it, it actually means to miss the mark, and hear this part, and to not share in the prize, the word denotes a failure or consequences in missing the mark. Think of a king gathering his archers and putting them into uh, some type of training. And, and those who did not hit the mark, they would be dismissed. They would be removed. And th- this idea, this idea of sin refers to missing the mark of God's standards or breaking of God's commandments. This begins to show us the breakdown that has led humanity ...to its present position. It shows us our current course. The consequence of missing the mark... ...the consequence of this sin... ...is that there has now been a fracture... ...in relationships. In all relationships. There has been a fracture... ...between God and man... ...or God and women. It's a result of missing the mark. The fracture occurred between creation... ...and its creator... We are separated. There is a a chasm now between humanity and God, and some stand on the other side, and we pontificate on what's on the other side. What is God like? And some would say, well, God isn't even on the other side, and they would tell you that there is no God, and they would then hate the God that doesn't exist, which I find odd. In each of us, though, there is a stirring to know that life is a dash and not a period, that there is more to come after this life. In each of us, I believe there is a stirring to know that we are not a cosmic accident, but we are by design and with purpose. The second fracture that we see is there is a fracture between man, woman, and self that we have, in one sense, turned on ourselves. It's because we are broken. It is the malfunction that has occurred when sin entered into the equation. We have become haters of self. We speak condemnation over ourselves. Our Thoughts can betray us. We can be repulsed by what we see in the mirror. We are, uh, have souls that are in anguish over uh, what we have done or who we have become. We devour ourselves in the process. There is a breaking, a fracturing in the relationship between myself and myself, which was not by design. And then we see the fracture that occurred in the relationship between man, woman, and the rest of humanity. That you have now become my enemy. That uh, there is now a competition. And we live in a world of labels that we have created. And we elect who's in and who's out based upon a plethora of, of reasons. Color or ethnicity or tribe or social status or education or political party or whatever that might be. And we segment people and we put them into labels. And you can stay here but I'll stay here because on some level we don't coexist together because you're my enemy and we have even learned to justify our hate now we go back to original creation and then the malfunction that has occurred and this malfunction is that has caused a brokenness in community or the relationship between man and god man and self man and the rest of humanity this is the consequences of missing the mark listen we lost what what, what we have been Originally created to possess. We have lost what God originally intended for us to have, and that is this idea of communion, this idea of sharing life together. Life between myself and God, yourself and God, life between myself and myself. And some of you know what that means because you have become your own worst enemy. And then life that occurs between myself and the rest of com- uh, less, the, the rest of humanity. It is the sharing of life, and this communion was fractured. It was broken. Jesus spoke of a thief who comes to steal what Jesus is trying to give us. It's found in John ten. It's a very popular passage. We'll put it on the screen. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then he says, but now listen, here's what I've come to give you. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Other translations say that you may have a full life. We're going to dissect this a little bit. But join me as we pray that God would speak to us in the next few moments. Lord, as we begin to look at this life that you have created us to possess and that we have lost and creation has gone haywire and the entire biblical text is really just about us trying to find our way and you trying to reach back and 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 take possession of that which was lost and eventually jesus is given to humanity that our sin could be removed and today we want to embrace the cross and the resurrection. We want to embrace the forgiveness of sin and the, the restoration of community in all three of those areas. And so we invite you to speak, Holy Spirit, clearly, break down barriers, and soften hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. The thief, Jesus says, comes to steal and kill And destroy. Now, catch what Jesus is saying. Somewhere out there is a thief who is looking for you and is looking for me. And Jesus says his purpose is simple to take what is rightfully yours or should be yours and leave you in poverty spiritual poverty, moral poverty, uh, emotional, relational poverty. Have you ever had someone steal something from you? Ever have someone break into your home? There is a violation that comes with that. We lived in an apartment complex earlier on in life in my early 20s. And it was not uncommon to come out of your apartment and find things missing from your car. Someone would steal the rims or the radio would be uninstalled and removed. And sometimes the car would be gone completely. And Jesus tells us that there is a thief who is looking for you. And he desires to steal something far more important than your radio or your car. Now, if someone's going to steal from me, I'd like to know a couple things. If someone's going to steal from me, I'd like to know who it is. I'd like to know what they are trying to steal and how they plan to steal it in hopes that I can prevent it and Jesus actually gives us more information earlier on in the chapter but it's too long to put on our fridge so we just put John 10 10 on our fridge and that you know Jesus came to give us life but he kind of breaks this down because anytime you read uh, scripture read it in the context of what is being spoken and Jesus elaborates on this this John ten ten is really kind of Jesus bringing his point to a close but I want us to explore the bigger picture he tells us that He's offering us something that we think we already have, but in actuality we lack. And he is trying to give us something, abundant life, and that there is another who is seeking to take away or to leave us in the brokenness of those three areas that are fractured between God and ourselves, myself and myself, and myself with humanity. We'll start in verse one, put it on the screens. It says, truly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold, or the sheepfin, by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. By the way, we are the sheep, of course, if you don't know that. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. To him, the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and I want you to catch the voice and the listening part, and he calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. But then he says there's another voice, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again. Now he mixes metaphors. I know in literature you're not supposed to, but Jesus can do whatever he wants. He's God. So now he comes up with something else. He says, truly true, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. And then he says, the thief, the other voice that is trying to lure you, he's saying, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. John brings us into this conversation where Jesus is saying, life is ultimately about voices that are buying for your attention and competing for your life. And he says, there is one voice that is a thief and his voice lures and pulls and deceives and he will take from you the very thing that the good shepherd is trying to give you again. And then Jesus says, now hear me, hear me. Then Jesus says, here's what he's saying. The way to avoid following the thief's voice is by recognizing my voice. He said, the way to prevent the thief from taking from you that which you hold as most sacred is by recognizing my voice, the voice of the good shepherd. Do you have any voices in your head? This one of our hills we die on is no masks. So let me just tell you, I have all kinds of voices in my head. I have one voice that tells me I can and another voice that tells me I can't. I have a voice that says that I should, another one says I shouldn't, one that says sacrifice, the other one says no, be selfish. I have voices that I hear of things that were spoken over to me throughout, uh, over me growing up. I hear the voice of my father still ringing in my head, some positive, some negative. And I think what Jesus is saying is that it is his voice that silences the other voices that attempt to steal the life that he has come to impart to us again. And so the choice comes down to whose voice are you listening to? We see this in the creation narrative in Genesis. Maybe you know the story. God created uh, humans and said, any tree, it's all yours. You have run of the garden. Do what you will. But just out, out of this one tree, just stay away from it. Don't partake. And we failed in that. We sinned. We missed the mark. We missed the bullseye. And Genesis 3, 7 is God encountering humanity for the first time after missing the mark. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly, listen, felt shame at their nakedness. That's important. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze uh, were, were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid From the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called out to them saying, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. Listen, I was afraid because I was naked. This is the critical moment in human history where the malfunction occurs. When the breaking of community occurs. When community is fractured. Adam says, I heard you coming. Now, We don't fully understand what this means, but in some way, they knew the sound of God walking in the garden because there was no chasm. It was God and his creation, and there was, there was this communion. There was a sharing of life that was going on, and this time, they recognized the sound of God walking in the garden, and for the first time, God became an object to be feared. This is the first sign that we see, communion that was broken between man, woman, and God. Fractured. It was severed. But what God says next is pretty amazing to me. They missed the mark, they've sinned, and now they're naked and they're hiding in the bushes, and if I was God, I would ask some questions that are filled with venom. I would say, what were you thinking and how could you do such a thing and do you realize what you've done and I told you this would happen and, and I, I, if it was me, I, I would just rain down guilt upon them. And yet God asks a bizarre question, look at verse 11, who told you that you were naked? That's an odd question to me. Here, here, creation is in fear of their creator, and they're hiding in that fear, and they're ashamed of themselves because they're naked, and God's response was, why did you do it? God said, who told you you were naked? Do you hear what God is saying? He's saying, what voice have you allowed into your soul? What voice have you allowed into your soul that became louder than my voice? What voice has lured you away and has taken that which I intended to give to you? Whose voice has echoed so loud that it drowned out my voice? Who told you that you were naked? And in that moment... What we as humans hold most sacred was stolen from us by a voice. I have to stress this. Our relationship with God. right? It was severed. We we, we see it. The first time creation is afraid of their creator and they're now hiding from God. Hey, a little healthy fear as a father is a good thing with your children. And if you're a parent, you know what I mean by that. It's another thing for your children to run and hide when you come home. That would be devastating. And I wonder what it was like for God to have his children run and hide because now they're in fear. But it just wasn't the relationship with God. It was our relationship with ourselves. And now Adam, for the first time, realized that I am ashamed of who I am and I am ashamed of what I've become and I feel guilty and I feel condemned and so I have to remove myself because something is broken within me and I have now condemned myself and I have now become my own worst enemy and I am full of shame and I must hide. And then we see the fracturing of our relationship with others. Adam, if you know the story, blames his wife. He's like, it was the woman that you gave me. Now, this is more than just a blame game. This is the first time in human history that we see one human stepping over another human, stepping on another human in order to achieve self-gain. And what Adam was saying is, better her than me. And it's not just that. Adam goes on to say, well, God, in reality... You gave her to me, and so really, you're kind of at fault here too. Do you see the brokenness that occurred between God and man, between man and himself, between man and humanity that I will blame, I will throw my wife under the bus if it means that I can be safe? Voices competing for our future. Jesus says, the author of one voice offers you back what was stolen. The author of the other will only continue to steal and destroy what you ultimately hold as most valuable and what most of creation would say, most of humanity would say is that what we hold as most valuable is to know that there is a being that loves us and created us and wants us. And what we hold as most valuable is that I can go to bed at night and not devour myself. And what we hold as most valuable is that I can look at you and embrace you as a friend and not see you as an enemy and someone who I have to mistrust and that I have to keep at arm's length. And Jesus says, I've come to give you life. Now the church has done a good job of convincing you of this first box. Go to that next slide there, guys. The church throughout history has just hammered this point home sometime with just condemning, constant condemnation. And it's turned from a God that really wants you to come back to just you are just the the lowest form of of life and 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 you know to repent. I'm all for repentance. Don't get me wrong. I preach it. I I understand it. It's the gift of the cross. It's it's the washing of sin. It's the renewing of mind. And the church has has done well for the most part on telling you that this box needs to be restored. Your life with God. But I need, I need you to hear something. that there is something more that is taking place. If the voice of the good shepherd only influences that first box in your life, meaning salvation, and I'm not minimizing that, just follow me. If the voice of Jesus only influences your life in box number one, you will have eternal life, but you may not have abundant life. Here on this earth. See, I think too often we think that this life that Jesus came to offer us was a life that occurred after this life is over, but that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about that there is a fullness that should start today, that I begin to put things back together that were fractured and that were broken, and that I want you to have abundant life. Yes, it is completed later in a new life, but that you would begin to experience the life that I intended for you now. And here's my point, here's my question, here's what determines this life that Jesus has come to give us, whose voice is influencing the other two areas of your life? Whose voice do you hear when it comes to who you are? And whose voice do you hear when it comes to how you respond to others? Because Jesus said, look, I want to give you life. And that life is beginning to put things back together that were fractured and that were broken. The three areas that, that we would hold as most dear. But if the only voice that Jesus has access to is the first box that, yeah, I've, I've, I've confessed my sins. But the other two boxes, he has no influence. Someone's speaking to you in those other two boxes. And so whose voice do you hear? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that God is angry with you? Who told you that God may love you, but he does not like you? And who told you that your past is too big for even God to handle? And who told you that even after embracing Jesus, that God still holds your sin against you? Who told you that you should question your salvation and not be confident that when this life passes that you will be embraced by God? Who told you that Jesus is not enough for you? What voice has entered into your soul that said said, God really can't cover your past, it was too great? Who told you you're not forgiven? See, I think part of the problem, and as a pastor for a lot of years... Sometimes I see individuals who over and over and over and over and over again are wrestling with their past. And every time there's an altar call, their hand is going up because they've minimized the power of Jesus on the cross. Because in some sense, we think that Jesus was just a slightly better version of us. And so if he was a slightly better version of me, his death on the cross really can't be all atoning and all covering, but we miss it. And the voices start to get in and they start to whisper and they start to steal the life that Jesus has come to establish. Who told you you were naked in your relationship with yourself? Who told you? Who told you that shame is going to follow you the rest of your life? And who told you that your past will define your future? And who told you that you're not good enough or smart enough or good-looking enough or or educated enough? Who told you? What voice have you allowed into your soul that told you you will never amount to anything? Who told you you're lazy? Who told you that you're going to turn out just like your mama who is just like her mama who is just like her mama? Who told you to hate what you see in the mirror? And who told you that you will never measure up? And who told you that the voices will never stop condemning you? And who told you that you can never be at peace with who you are? And who told you, when you look in the mirror, that you're not a cre- that you're not a created masterpiece by God? And who told you, who convinced you, that you can never be what God's called you to be? Who told you that you're not worthy? of love and acceptance. And Jesus says, if you hear my voice, allow my voice to begin to to squelch the other voice that seeks to keep you in a place of poverty. Who told you you were naked in that final box? Who told you to assign labels on other people? Who told you to hate what is different? Who told you to blame everyone else for your situation? And who told you that white is right? And who told you that certain lives matter than other lives? And who told you to look down your nose on those who are different or those who have different beliefs than you and to to hate and to judge and to separate? Who told you that they are your enemy? And we've been talking about community for several weeks and the importance of having other people in our lives who make us better. We've been talking about the importance of having people in our lives that strengthen us spiritually, and the importance of having someone who will speak truth to us, even in the difficult situations. We talked about how community is is what it should look like in the church, because spiritual growth is best when it is a group activity, a group project. Basil was an early church father who I quoted to you several weeks ago he said when we live our lives in isolation what we have is unavailable and what we lack is unprocurable what he's saying is that when you live in isolation in the church community the very thing that you have that other people need is unavailable and the very thing that you need that others have unprocurable what he's saying and what is so true is that if this is your church and you have isolated yourself from the community we are a weaker church because of it. And we suffer. We talked about 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen, That says that God has placed each person in his church, in his, uh, the church body, just as he desired. Meaning that if you're here and this is your church, that God placed you here by design. Now listen. The past several weeks, have been talking about community, about us being stronger together serving and the entire time while i've been talking about community you've heard another voice and the other voice says things like this you don't really need this you've heard the voice that says the church doesn't really need you you've heard the voice that said you're fine the way that you are and keep people at arm's length and people will only reject you once they really get to know you and 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 who told you this Because if we're going to experience the life that Jesus has come to give us, his voice must break through in all of the areas, not just with myself, with God, but with myself and myself and myself and others in the community, and we are that community today. Who told you your church doesn't need you? Who told you that you don't need a community of people around you? And who told you that your gift does not matter here and your talents do not matter here? Who told you that we are not stronger with you than without you? Who told you that you have nothing to contribute? Who told you that you're not needed? Who told you you're naked? Life is being extended to us. And today... If you have heard those voices and have said those things over yourself, I would encourage you to take a step back in either any of those boxes and ask yourself, who told me I was naked? The way that God ultimately clothes us is by clothing us with himself. And it's really from the inside out. That we were never created to exist outside of God's glory and outside of His presence. And His presence is our ultimate clothing. That He takes that which was broken and that which was naked. And He takes... The The problem really wasn't even that they were naked. The problem was the shame that came with their nakedness. And God says, let's just do away with the shame. I love Romans eight one that just tells us there's no condemnation over you if you're in Christ Jesus. Inside of us there is a battle for you. And who you will become. Voices that will steal. Steal your identity. Steal your self-worth. But you and I were designed to be formed and informed by the voice of God. And so today, who told you you were naked? Next week, we wrap up this series And we're wrapping it up in what might be an unusual way. I think two or three times we've done an event that we call a place at the table. And so next week, you will not meet here in the auditorium. You will meet in the cafeteria. And we're going to have tables that will be set up. And we'll have food on the tables and we'll have drinks and stuff like that. And there will be some exercises, some things that we're going to ask you and your table to go through. And its only purpose is to put you face-to-face with someone in community. And if right now you're hearing the voice that says, I'm sleeping in, that's not the voice of Jesus for you. Because his best for us is community with other people. Right? That's part of what was stolen from us. Now... You can still get to heaven, but you're going to miss the abundant, the fullness of life that Jesus has come to give. So next week, we'll have some greeters out there. We're just going to shuffle you on by. If you can't make the walk, we'll have some golf carts to help you get there. We're going to seat you at tables, do a couple songs of worship, and then there'll be some things that you can just start to share your story. If you don't want to say anything, you don't have to say anything. But we've been talking about how transformation occurs better in circles than in rows. And so next week, we're putting you in circles. Now we've never advertised this before. Because I know that many people just won't show up. But I'm advertising this. We're advertising this. To kind of see who caught the whole community series. The Stronger Together series that we've been talking about for the last four weeks. I hope that you hear the voice of Jesus that says, take a step because there's something that you need and there's something that other people need that you have. Stay seated as we pray. For some of you, that question, who told you you were naked? Who told you it's haunting you right now? because you have invited in another voice that is stealing and robbing and luring you away from what Jesus has for you. And today, the best decision that you can make is to embrace the voice of Jesus. The best decision that you can make today is to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus. The best decision that you can make today is saying, I will no longer be led by any other voice but yours. Can you make that decision today? Maybe you've never made that decision. And maybe today is your first time Maybe today is the first time that you realize that that you have been robbed and stolen from and Jesus wants to start to put things back together. Can you make that commitment today? Can you make that decision to begin to press into Jesus that his voice begins to drown out the other voices that compete for your future. And that when that begins to happen, Jesus says, you will begin to receive life that is abundant, that is full on earth. It'll be completed later but that you will begin to experience it today because my voice will begin to inform you and form you and begin to put things back together. I pray that over our church family. I pray today that those who have heard the voice about community and that they haven't gotten involved in community. I pray today that they would hear your voice that, that urges them to find other people to begin to do life with, and that they would take a step and serve somewhere in this church and volunteer and give of themselves and receive from others. It's all part of the abundant life that you've come to give us, and yet we have segmented and fractured ourselves into so many pieces that... We keep you away and do not allow you to prepare us. And so today I ask that you would begin to put us back together in all of the areas that are most valuable and important to us. I bless you in this reveal that you would hear the voice of Jesus and his voice would squelch the other voices. That have stolen from you today. We are stronger together. Stronger with God, obviously. Stronger with ourself. And we are stronger as a church community. When the voice of Jesus begins to restore us. And I bless you in that. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, today if you'd like prayer, would you allow someone to pray for you? Especially on that voice situation. And maybe you need someone to join with you in praying that a new voice, the voice of Jesus, begins to resonate within you. And we would love to pray with you and for you in that. God bless you guys. Remember, five o'clock, pray for the cards to get a W. I'll See you guys next week. Bless you.